Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. For more information and to donate online, go to 3cr.org.au. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Housing for the Aged Action Group, Hague for short, a housing group for older people run by older people. Present Raise the Roof. We advocate for secure, affordable and appropriate housing. So listen up on the second and fourth Wednesday of the month at 5.30pm on 3CR 855 on your AM dial. Yes, this is 3CR Radio 855 on the AM dial and you're listening to Raise the Roof. Yeah, and we're here today to talk about older women and housing. So as you will know, regular listeners to our program will know that we've been talking a lot about older women and housing for a long time um, because there's been a huge jump in um, the number of older women who are aged between 65 and 74 who are homeless. Um, And we know that due to um, a range of things around people's long-term disadvantage through to structural issues like not having enough superannuation or having a broken working history or whatever, that a lot of these women are finding themselves in housing insecurity. So today in the studio, we're lucky to be joined with uh, joined by Jeanette Larch, who is the Chief Executive Officer of Women's Property Initiative. So welcome, Jeanette. Thank you, Fiona. Um, We are wanting to talk to you about your new initiative that you have um, looking at people who are perhaps falling through the gaps of the housing system. Um, So would you be able to tell us firstly a little bit about Women's Property Initiative and and what it is that you do on a day-to-day basis? Mm. I'd love to. Um, Women's Property Initiatives, we develop and provide affordable rental housing for disadvantaged women-headed households. So we house uh, women of all ages, uh, from young women through to older women. We house them in uh, one and two bedroom apartments or three and four bedroom houses, depending on the size of their family. And the houses that we have and own are around metropolitan Melbourne. Some are inner, some are outer. We charge uh, 30% of household income and never more than 75% of market rent. Many of the women um, may need support services, so we partner with a variety of support services to provide support to the women and the children if they have children. Uh, And this might be health services, it might be mental health services, it might be just general generalist support services. And we find this is important because we want them to sustain the tenancies. The housing we provide is long-term housing, not short-term, and Research that we've undertaken determines that it's the long-term stable housing that really has the best outcomes for those women and children. So it improves their lives enormously. It does improve their physical health, their mental health, improves the children's academic outcomes. So sustaining the tenancies is really important and so linking in with the support organisations can be really vital to ensure that that happens. 
Yeah, so um, can you tell us a little bit about why the focus recently on older women? Is there a particular need for something um, for perhaps women who are past the childbearing age? Um, and maybe, I guess the stereotype is that you hear in the media a lot is that baby boomers all own their own homes and they're living in these big mansions and they're taking up space and younger people um are not able to be first home buyers, et cetera, et cetera. But that's not what we're seeing at our service at HAG. We're seeing women who are older that don't own their own homes. And I'm assuming you must have seen a need for that as well. So can you tell us a little bit about how you identified um, identified the need for a start and then we'll go into what you're actually going to do about that need? Okay. So yes, we the same as HAG. We were having women, older women that were coming and contact coming into our organisation, contacting our organisation in that age group that you've just uh, referred to. So we undertook a bit of research, and this is back in 2013. And most of that research, I suppose, was literature research at that stage. And it clearly identified that there was an increasing need. We refer- we called that um, the tsunami, I think, at that stage. And we're talking that, that long ago. So um, we certainly identified that for social housing, so... There was, a, there was a great need for older women. And for social housing to be eligible for that, you have to ha- meet an income limit, which is quite low, but also an asset limit, which is you can't have more than $32,000, uh, otherwise you're not eligible for social housing. So there was also another group of women that we identified when we did that research, and that was a group of women who did have some assets. And I'm talking about what most of us would consider to be a reasonable amount. They had it in savings or superannuation, which they'd earned throughout their lives because, as you highlighted before, many women have worked throughout their lives, but often it's been part-time, so they haven't been able to contribute significant amounts to savings or superannuation. These women were also living in the private rental market. They didn't own a home. So what we also determined was that they were depleting those savings. So those savings or superannuation were depleting to the extent that we thought in potentially 10 years' time they will be eligible for social housing. And that's sad (laughs) that they're depleting those savings. Seems crazy, doesn't it? Absolutely crazy. But it was also, well, surely there's a lack of supply of housing How can we use that money that they've got, or how can they use rather than us, that money that they've got towards um, contributing to something much better in the way of their housing so that they're not relying on living in the private rental market, which for many of them we also determined was they were finding that really stressful because they knew it wasn't secure. They were finding that often the housing wasn't all that... uh, Um, environmentally sustainable so utility costs were high they were finding that landlords wouldn't consider adapting them so that they could age in place so there was all those range of things that were causing them stress apart from also depleting their savings and thinking well where am I going to end up in 10 years time when all my money's gone yeah so these women through your research were they coming to you um, with these stories or how did you actually find these people because oftentimes they wouldn't be considering themselves at risk of homelessness. They would be considering themselves, you know, working women that are struggling perhaps, but not at that at that stage. So how did you find how did you find the women? 
So after we did that initial research and we identified that there was that group of women, we then were successful in sourcing some philanthropic funding to do a more in-depth research, which was more qualitative rather than quantitative. Um, So... We identified, through our contacts, we identified a number of women who did fit into that category and did some in-depth interviews with them. And when I say we, we we employed a a consultant to do that for us. So it was definitely verified that uh, there were a number of women. We also employed a demographer and through her research, she determined that there were approximately 15,000 women in Victoria who were in that category who were living in the private rental market and had savings or superannuation in from about $100,000 to $250,000. So that was a much larger category than number of women than we thought. The number of women that we interviewed was a small number, I suppose. I think it was about 10 women to did the quantitative research, but they were very interested in seeing how they might be able to invest the money that they had to provide them with safe, secure, affordable housing as they aged in place and were prepared to invest that money somehow to provide that to them. So um, I guess that brings us quite nicely to the older women's housing pilot that you've just undertaken. Um, So would you be able to tell us a little bit about uh, what that is and and how you decided to go with that model? Mm. So look, our first idea was that it would be a shared equity model because we thought if the women put in uh, some and then our organisation puts in the rest and somehow we you know we work out what uh, they would contribute to maintenance and so forth and then when they needed to or wanted to move on we would sell the property or we would work out what um, value the property was worth and they would get their share of the capital gains and and so forth but With our financial modelling for our organisation to make it stack up, we'd actually factored in that they would be eligible for Commonwealth rental assistance. Now, that wasn't the case. If If you own anything, you're not eligible for Commonwealth rental assistance. So we went back and determined another model, went back to our lawyers, who I must say do it all pro bono, so that's fantastic. Um, And the board eventually agreed on the model of where the women will loan us the, the money Uh, So we will be the owners of the property, which in in a way is more straightforward because we're then responsible for the maintenance, we're responsible for the rates, we're responsible for all of that. The women will still pay an affordable rent, never more than 30% of household income. They will be eligible for Commonwealth rental assistance. They can stay in the property for as long as they need to or want to. And then when they do need to or want to move out, they will get the money that they've lent us back completely, plus the reserve bank interest rate at the time, plus 25 basis points. So their money won't have just stagnated. They still will get you know, some sort of gain of their money, and then that's theirs to, whether, you know, whether they want to leave it in a will to their children, which they deserve to do, or whether that will go towards a nursing home if they need to move into aged care, Uh, But that's their decision and their money will have been preserved. So, And in the meantime, it will have increased supply and they will have had good quality housing, which for us, when we were looking at the final model, that was was the most important thing. The outcome was going to be that they would have that good quality housing. So we're building housing. The pilot is four units um, on a piece of land that we've purchased 
in an area that the women identified, some of the women identified was an area that was um, a place that they wanted to live. It's close to shops, it's close to public transport, it's close to medical facilities. Um, the houses will be built to gold livable standards, which means they can be adapted as they age in place and there will be attention paid to environmental sustainability. So the utility costs should be kept down. Wow, so that's pretty. That all sounds pretty amazing. Um, you're listening to Raise the Roof on 3CR at the moment, and we've got Jeanette Large in the studio here today, and she's talking about Women's Property Initiative's new Older Women's Housing Pilot. Um, so, in terms of determining, so you said there's four units. Um, are you hoping to expand? Do you have much of a demand for this type of thing, or, or what? How do you anticipate this is going to grow? We have a big demand and that's from uh, not even publicising it. So I was interviewed on the radio, I, I don't know if it was once or twice, and as a result of that we ended up with 60 women who contacted us saying really interested in this. So we haven't put it out there, we haven't marketed it, and I think if we did there'd be much more interest. And as I said, the demographer said there was potentially 15,000 women out there that were in this category. So we would love to roll it out uh, more and we think that there's different ways it could be rolled out. If where we're building these units, it's out in the outer suburbs a little bit, but as I said, somewhere where many of the women identified, they'd really like to live. If we're in the inner area, we might be able to do that more within an apartment building that was really, you know, then only had one building, but they had much more access to other facilities around them. So we're hoping, we're actually getting a very comprehensive evaluation undertaken. Again, the whole lot's been philanthropically funded. So, you know, the philanthropy that's come in um, from the Lord Mayor's Charitable Foundation, Gandell, Ian Potter Foundation has just been fantastic. So we're getting this uh, comprehensive evaluation. We've already got the evaluator on board who has talked to some of the women. And because we want to know if women choose not to move in, why? What yeah. other things we might need to change? Yeah. Uh, is it just because they're not financially have enough money at the moment or are there other reasons? So once we have the pilot done, the evaluation done, we really want to hope that government will see it as a, a very um, affordable way of affordable and preventative I mean it's really preventing these older women moving into needing social housing yeah mm. we also got some financial advice we've we've organized to get completely independent legal advice for the women pro bono and financial advice for the women pro bono so they're going into the project eyes open and not you know we, we're not twisting their arm up their back in any way we really want them to be very well informed the financial advice we received really clearly showed that if a woman had $150,000 in her superannuation and based on a reasonable rental in, private rental income and you, you know other living costs, that after 10 years she could deplete her $150,000 down to 36, mm -hmm. very close to being eligible for social housing. So we're really hoping that government will look at this, see it as an innovative way of addressing an older women's housing issue that's only going to get larger and, and, and a much better way of you know what they need to put in as a subsidy. And there always will be a subsidy that's required, but it will be less than what social housing is. So, so the idea would be that the government in future would subsidise this type of housing as a preventative 
as a preventative measure. So an early that's inter- our hope. Yeah, that's your mm. hope. Yeah. So at the moment, um, there's the four units that you're building. Are, are they cluster type housing, or is as the have the women expressed any particular desire for living in community type settings, or is it? Um, you know, self-contained, independent. How does it, how does it work in terms of that sense of place and that sense of community connection? Are you hoping to build that up as well with the type of housing that you're building? Not with this, not with this one. Yeah. Uh, for this model, so no, this will be independent units. If the women choose to connect with each other, that's that's fine. They certainly will be in reasonably close proximity to each other to be able to get that support uh, if they want it. But it has been built as four separate units. They're two-bedroom units. We we did that as well, thinking that if they might even need live-in support at some stage, yeah. um, they, they can get that. But obviously also if grandchildren want to stay or whatever, that um, they can do that. But no, we're not deliberately with this project um, suggesting that there will be any further community connectedness. Yeah. It's not like a co-housing project, mm-hmm. which is another one that we're looking at elsewhere yeah where that very much is uh where people have chosen to live in that way that they have their independent units which are often a bit smaller but then they have their a common kitchen laundry gardens and so forth that they can choose to collectively get together and share in that way and be very supportive and, and a community yeah Jeanette have you got a um um, plan in place uh, for you said that you got, you're talking about three or four bedroom in some cases. Have you got a plan in place that those people can downsize to a smaller place when they get to a point where they've got no no children and that, and they just want a one bedroom or a two bedroom? Mm. Look, we've managed to do that um, very occasionally. Our the the number of properties that we have at this stage is quite small, mm-hmm. and so it can be difficult for us to be able to do that. But we have uh, one woman was living in a suburb, and she'd had her uh, two or three boys with her in a, in um, in the house, and they had grown up and left home. And then she decided she wanted to move suburbs to be closer to her daughter, who was older and had, yeah. had lived with mm-hmm. her with us. Um, and so we did. We managed to move her across into a oh, smaller right. property, okay. which right. was terrific. Yeah. But sometimes we don't have that flexibility. But we like to no, obviously yeah, try yeah, and do that. Yeah. And what about plans for expansion? Is it fast growing or slow or it's money very, money it, orientated it's, or what? It's very very money orientated. <laughs> yeah. Very slow. <laughs> so we put in for every opportunity that's out there, and. Um, there have been such limited opportunities that have been out there since about 2011. The state government has opened up some opportunities now, which we've applied for. We will we will be hearing about them towards the end of April, whether mm. we've been successful or not. So we're constantly looking at opportunities, trying to partner, trying to grow because the need is so great. But it's uh, financially to do that, it's really, it's quite tough. Yeah, mm. right. Uh, you're listening to um, Fiona and um, Jeanette talking about um, um, older women's housing problems and uh, sol- solving some of them in some ways. And uh, you're listening to Raise the Roof, which is uh, coming to you from 3CR. And um, yeah. uh, the station ID is... 
855 on the AM dial. That's the one. Okay. And I don't know what's coming up afterwards. I'll have to do a little bit of an investigation yeah. and tell you that later. <laughs> That's right, yeah. So, um, so you're basically going to all different places, philanthropists, um, you've got some rental income from your tenants. Um, you've got now uh, opportunity for older women to invest in their own housing and, and have that safe and secure, which is a hell of a lot better than retirement housing options um, in a lot of cases where mm. you're actually going backwards if you if you do go into those retirement villages. Um, so in an ideal world, what what would you like to see happen? Would you like to – what's what, what's the best case scenario if you could click your fingers and just have what you wanted to have at, at Women's Property Initiative? Oh, golly, if I could click my fingers, I'd have 2,000 properties, <laughs> a mm. whole range. I'd have them uh, not just in metropolitan Melbourne. I'd have them regionally. And, uh, look, the, the need is just huge. So – and a whole variety – we keep getting told that there's more need for one bedroom rather than, uh, you know, family properties. But golly, we see so many women um, who have large families, and some of our houses aren't our four bedroom houses aren't big enough. Mm. You know, we need five and six bedroom houses for some of the women that we're housing. We house a reasonable number of women from refugee backgrounds, and they have large families. Mm. So there's such a huge need out there. I think uh, you've probably said on your program before about the waiting list on, you know, the Victorian Housing Register waiting list. And we there's about, what, 60,000, I think, now on that waiting list and probably 100,000 people who are eligible who aren't on the waiting list. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Uh, there's, you know, many of them are women-headed households. Uh, and what we also know is that many of the women uh, are not known, uh, particularly older women. They're absolutely just undercover somewhere mm, with a, yeah. you know they don't identify as being homeless and they actually are uh, and whether they're living on people's couches or living with their children or yes under worse circumstances they might be living in cars and so forth but there's so many out there that are just have not been counted yeah and uh, yeah the, the need is huge and the bedroom thing's an interesting one because a lot of the older person's housing stock is one bedroom um, and we have a lot of people that come to us who want two bedroom yeah. either because like you say they, they have a carer or a lot of people from culturally diverse backgrounds want to live with their adult children um, as just part of the norm um, for them mm. and so trying to find anything more than a, a one bedroom is often really hard mm. um, so it's interesting that you're finding that as well mm. and and then the preference for the women seems to be two bedroom which is something that we've been advocating for well, for a long time. If you're a grandma yeah. of course you want to have your grandchildren mm. come and stay over. Yeah. Yeah and you don't want them sleeping on the floor. That's right. Yes no mm. that's exactly right mm. and I'd mm. Yes, I don't know where this one bedroom comes from. I don't think there's many people out there that only want one bedroom, but there you go. I think go. it's financial more than anything mm, that I'm they, sure they accept a one bedroom, yeah. Well, that's what they built back in the day, I think. And exactly. It's, just, it's almost yeah. like a habit. They yeah. just are building yeah. more and more. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So um, before, I, before we wrap up, I was just going to ask you about um, whether or not you're, you're going to have plans in – for the federal budget or if you've got any thoughts about the federal budget. I know that there were some big announcements around um, from the opposition around housing and not so much um, that was just announced on Tuesday. So what 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 are your thoughts about, about that? Do you, as part of the community housing sector, 
is there hopes and dreams? <laughs> I think there's great hopes and dreams um, in the community housing sector if uh, in the federal election there's a change of government. If we see the budget that's just been brought down uh, from the current government, housing's fairly non-existent in that budget. So the, we've heard um, announcements from Bill Shorten, the opposition leader, that there will be money for housing. I think it's, uh, I forget over what time period, but talk of about 250,000 properties across Australia. So I'd have to say that many in the community housing sector are trying to think about how we need to gear up. Um, expecting, yeah. hoping, mm. wanting uh, a change of government in the federal election. Whether that will happen, I don't know, but certainly there's hope out there that uh, there will be some money coming down from the, the federal government and expecting that that will be a new federal government. Mm. So, But you don't want to count, count your chickens before you hatch and yeah. I keep thinking of Trump. <laughs> so. And he did, he did promise us, us he would look into an ombudsman too. Yeah, that's didn't true. Didn't he? Yeah, yeah, at the Sydney okay. airport I fronted him and he said, yes, I will look into that. Yeah. So. Bill, yeah. if you're listening, <laughs> don't forget. Yeah, that's yeah. what we want, retirement housing ombudsman and some more actual housing. So is there some, if people want to find out more about the Women's Property Initiative organisation or the Women's Housing Pilot itself mm -hmm. around whether they can get a house potentially or just any information, where do they go for information? To so if they wanted to call us, they can call us on 9664 and they should ask to speak with Caroline. If they wanted to get onto our website, it's www.wpi.org.au. So that's the way to, best way to find out about it's us. Easy one. Yeah, that's mm. very easy. So we'll pop those details on our um, on the program area of the 3CR website, and we'll also put them on the HAG area of our website as well. So thanks so much for coming in today, Jeanette. It's been really interesting and exciting to hear about something that um, potentially can address the housing issues for that cohort of women. So thank you again. Thanks, Fiona, and thanks for inviting me. No worries. <laughs> So you're listening to Raise the Roof um, and you've been listening to Pam, Fiona and Jeanette and we're now going to listen to a song and this song is going to have a housing theme because that's the sort of place that we are. Here we go. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.